Here we go. Here's there. I'll move my coffee out of the way and you can poke at it. Okay, we're in nice space. We're in nice space. The last thing we saw, Rabbi Taras, he slavshus nevishelokis and nevishabahamis. In clothing of the Nevesh Elokis and the Nevesh Bahamis, which means Lisbainen, Bisbainen is Elokis, Yagam Nevesh Bahamis, Yochol Hasigar, to contemplate godliness in a way that Nevesh Bahamis can understand it, which means, Lin Chsidis. It means that reciting Zohar might have a residual effect, does have a positive residual effect on your Neshama, right? Even though you don't understand what it means. Right? But that's not going to affect your conscious reality. It will have a positive effect on some level of superconscious and etc., but it's not going to affect your conscious reality very powerfully. Why? Well, I mean, the very fact that you're sitting and doing something holy with your time will have some effect. But since you don't understand what you're learning necessarily, meaning if you do, so fine, but if not, so then it's not really going to affect you very much. Whereas if you learn something that your human intellect actually understands, so then you're affected much more powerfully, obviously. You know, Bahamis goes, whoa, that's an interesting idea. I have to think about that. And when we say Nevesh Bahamis, we just mean conscious you. Right? Which is not a bad guy. Right? Nevesh Bahamis does not have to be this horrible, terrible thing. Right? And, and the Nevesh Bahamis comes to the conclusion, we got to the end of the brackets, the, the parentheses, that Elokus is something that can be understood. And as we said when we learned it, whenever that was, that, uh, that on Sunday, that <coughs> that the, the the very often we hear, I mean, we hear uh, uh, complaints when people talk about chassidus. Less now, Baruch Hashem, because chassidus is being learned so much more in the world than it was even ten years ago. But um, you still hear people talk about the fact, well, these ideas, they're very high and fancy and no one can understand them. Well, that's obviously someone who never learned chassidus because you can understand the ideas. Anybody who ever sat down and learned chassidus realizes that these are ideas that can be understood. They're expressed in a way that can be understood. We learn via Daita Moskva. The Rebbeim Rebbe take their intellect and their mitzam same their intellect and put it in a form that we can understand using Mashalim that we can understand and they bring that level of understanding down to our level. That's what Chassidus is. And that's what his love shoes Nevejalukis Nevejabamis is. So we affect our Nevejabamis to get our Nevejabamis on board to realize that Elokus is where it's at, as they say. Hine. Acharkach, afterwards, once the Nevejabamis is on board, who rav tfuas bekeach shor. It's the great produce in the power of the shore, meaning once you harness all of the power of the Nevesh Bahamis, so then there's no end, because the Nevesh Bahamis is very, very powerful. We know that. The Nevesh Bahamis likes to get what it wants. Aye, what if it wants Elokus? So it'll see to it that it gets it. Right? If the Nevesh Bahamis decides that it wants, uh, it wants uh, some, I don't know, some Coca-Cola at two in the afternoon, so it'll get, uh, two in the evening, two in the morning, It'll get in the car and drive around to six different stores until it finds its Coca-Cola. Well, okay, fine. It's the way the Nevesh Bahamis works. I don't know whether you have to drive around anymore. When I, you know, when we were younger, it wasn't like in every corner there was a 24-hour store. But, you know, if you, if you had some taiva at two in the morning, it might take some time to fulfill the taiva, to find the coffee or the Coca-Cola or whatever it happens to be. Okay, fine. The Nevesh Bahamis, though, it wants it. Okay, it'll drive around until it finds it. Get the Nevesh Bahamis into Elokus. It'll work until it gets it. 
and after the after the parentheses, we just read the Yine Achakach who rav tulus bekeich shoreshim. He's hapik mi bahamiusei. He's transformed from his behemish kite ve'oila ve'nichlal, and he, he is ele, he's elevated. He goes up ve'nichlal, and he's incorporated berishve eish hatshuka shebenefesh elokis. In the in the fiery, passionate love of the <coughs> Nefesh Elokis, the Nefesh Bahamas is extremely passionate. There's an aspect of the Nefesh Elokis that's passionate, much less so than the Nefesh Bahamas. The Midas of the Nefesh Elokis experience some level of passion, but but tempered because the essential expression of the Nefesh Elokis is intellectual. Say, Nefesh Elokis tends to be rather cool and calculated. There is, there is definitely midas, but the essential expression of the nefesh elokis is in seichel. The essential expression of the nefesh abamis is in midas. Very passionate, right? They, they, there is seichel. There's also seichel of the nefesh abamis, but the essential expression of the nefesh abamis is in is in, in is in emotions. So we get the nefesh abamis on board, and a person is mamish on fire for elokus. This actually elevates the nefesh elokis. And just like the Korban when we're back to the Korban, that's how we started with this discussion, that when you bring a physical Korban on the base of, on the, in, in the, on the Mizbeach, in the base of Migdash, so Mizbarer, it's rectified, elevated, the sparks of Datsach, Deim Sameach Chai, Deim I'm sorry, Deimem is mineral life. It's a meach, vegetable life. Chai, animal life. It's the three levels of the behemoth. Hine. Just like when you do, you, you, that's what happens when you bring an animal in the Mizbeach, which is what a korban is all about. Hine, kemechen, similarly, al akrova, is through the spiritual akrova, which is the avayda that the Rebbe's been discussing this whole, this whole parak. Sacrificing the Nevesh Bahamis, elevating the Nevesh Bahamis, the second half of the prayer, elevating the Nevesh Bahamis through enclothing the godliness of the Nevesh Elokis in one's conscious reality. Al Yedea Krova Baruchni is Hare, Mizbader, it's rectified, Umishapech, and it's transformed. Hakashucha, the darkness, the Nevesh Bahamis, Lenarda, to light. The Nevesh Abamis in its natural state is completely and totally devoid of any sensitivity to Elokus. It's sensitive to self. That's its nature. But it doesn't have to stay that way. If it's not educated, that's how it will stay. But if it's educated, then it can change. It can learn all sorts of amazing things and come to all sorts of amazing conclusions. People, people are quite interesting creatures. <laughs> <coughs> so the, the Nefesh Bahamis of a, of a non-Jew can, can, can change. What changes? Not the Mides. The Mides of the Nefesh Bahamis of the non-Jew come from Klippus Timaeus and can't be elevated. Their intellect, intellect of the non-Jew comes from Klippus Neugat, can be elevated. That's why non-Jews are also obligated to serve God. They're not going to serve God in a, in a state of absolute selflessness that a Jew can come to. Though I don't know many too, too many Jews who have come to that, but we can. Mitzad our midas, mitzad the midas of our nefesh Bahamis, we can come to a state of selflessness because that's the nature of our, the midas of, of the nefesh Bahamis that's in a Jew. The midas of the nefesh Bahamis in a Jew come from klipas neigah, so they can be elevated. 
the Midas of the Nefesh Bamis of a non-Jew come from Klippus Temeas, so they can't be elevated. So the non-Jew's religious expression is going to be self-motivated constantly. He'll never get to a point of complete selflessness. Okay, Pesedah. But can he come to an appreciation of the fact that there's a God and that there's meaning to life? Of course, he has intellect. He's so, you know, as intelligent as anybody else. What's the difference? And that intellect can be elevated. When the Balatanya talks in Tanya, in the, in, the, in, the, in the very beginning of Tanya, first parak in Tanya, that the, 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 the nefesh of Amis of a non-Jew comes from Klippus Tamez. He's talking about the Midas, not the Seichel. The Seichel can be elevated. That's also why you can use the fruits of the Seichel, of the intellect of a, of a non-Jew for Kedusha. Right? If not, you could never use an airplane for anything positive. Because Goyim invented airplanes. Al Gore invented the internet. You could never use the internet for anything, uh, anything, uh, anything useful. Right? It's not true. It can be used for all sorts of useful things. We use for all sorts of unbelievably unuseful things. We can be used for all sorts of useful things. Right? The fruits of the intellect of the non-Jew can be elevated. We once talked about this. What's the issue that comes up? That's a very interesting issue. Right, which we're not going to get into, just throw it out there that you should know it is an issue, music. Where does Goyish music come from? If it comes from the intellect of the composer, it can be elevated for Kedusha. If it comes from his Mides, it can't be. There's no question that Mick Jagger is Mides. That can't be elevated. What about the musical theory behind that music? Well, that's theory, that's intellect. Now, how much musical theory there is in rock and roll, I'm not so sure, but there's certainly a lot of musical theory in jazz, and there's a lot of musical theory in, in classical music, so can that be elevated? That, that motif can be elevated. Can you listen to Miles Davis and elevate it? No, because it's all just Miles Davis's emotions coming out in his bugle. And his emotions, if you ever heard anything about him, aren't so uplifted. Not a particularly uplifted person. Incredible musician. Unbelievably creative. But his emotional state was pretty grub. So you don't want anything to do with that. What about Bach? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer, but it's a fascinating question. There are all sorts of people who say that listening to classical music, they find elevating, it helps them learn, it helps them daven, it helps them focus. When you tell them, no, it doesn't. I mean, well, that, that's a, yeah, no one can tell me Mick Jagger makes them focus on anything positive. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, everybody, rock and roll is just grub and never should be It's amazing rock and roll. There hasn't been rock and roll like it for, I mean, evidently he's still doing it, but there hasn't been rock and roll like that since them, right? Okay, fine, amazing rock and roll, but it's not holy. It's grub, it's prust, it's not good stuff. Doesn't get me closer to God. Fine. Okay. Is there non-Jewish music that can? Well, that's a fascinating question. It really is. Because if it comes, if, if there's certain aspects of music, I mean, there's no question that, that holy Jews, including Rebbeim, have taken non-Jewish musical motifs and elevated them to, to, to Nagunim. Shamil, the Nigin the Rebbe taught us. The story is the non-Jews singing the Nigin. Longing for his country. Rebbe elevated that to a niggin that we sing in for break. So music is really an interesting part of all that. I mean, how that all 
muddy waters is pretty hard to elevate. You know, dun, 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 dun. It's all depression. It's called the blues for a reason, right? No, that's, and that, that's so stay away. That's not going to elevate you. It's going to take you to a place you don't want to be. And it's serious. That's real. It's not, you don't want to go there. But music in general, right? it's really, it's a... Yitzhak <coughs> Ginsburg studied music <coughs> in Juilliard, as far as I understand. And um, also uh, Brodsky, Menachem Mendel Brodsky, was a musician, um, studied in, in Juilliard. And, and, uh, but Yitzhak Ginsburg has, has written the Gunam. Clearly, all based on classical motif. I mean, it, you know, you listen to them; it's all like classical music. But he writes the gunu. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. <coughs> the darkness of the nevish is the light. Now. That can relate to the Midas of the Nefesh of a Jew. Even the Midas, the intellect for sure. V'zeo, and that's why, that's what it says, We're back to where we started, the very beginning of the mind. Now, but now we understand it much more deeply. What's V'asuli Mikdash? Make your conscious reality a place of holiness. And I will dwell amongst them then godliness will be part of your conscious reality. I'll dwell amongst you. Godliness will bang around in your head as opposed to whatever else bangs around in our head. What bangs around in our head? Whatever we put in? <laughs> okay, if we put in the uh, I don't know, uh, the rugby, so then rugby will bang around in our head. I'm sorry, Ellie, I just looked at I saw a South African. Okay, now, you know, should have said football. You know, then I could, that, that sort of covers everybody because some people think you're kicking a ball, some people think you're throwing and catching a ball, and it would be, you know... Shovel the cold nefesh, right? Okay. As an American football coach once said, he said, I don't understand this game of soccer. God gave you hands. Why can't you use them? <laughs> so, so <laughs> whatever we put in our heads, so that's what bangs around in our head. What, 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 I mean, there's, there's certain things that, that have to be put in our head in order to figure out how to make it in Elam okay, Poseidon, but I mean, the more alakus we put in our heads, the more successful we'll be in dealing with Elam Hazah in, in the context of the way that God wants us to. What does that mean? In each and every one, because we know that's the Pshat and the Pasuk. I'll dwell in them, amongst them. Not in it, not in the Mikdash, but amongst them. In each and every one. This is the third or fourth time we've, we've said that drasha. Through a person's Aveda. First, by subduing the natural impulses of the Nefesh Bahamis, right? which means doing those things that are positive despite the fact that the Nefesh Bahamis might not want me to do it or, and not do those things which are negative despite the fact that the Nefesh Bahamis might want me to do it and that might be annoying and difficult at a certain point. Okay, that's called Iskafia. Ve'ikr, but what does that ultimately bring one to? A maybe Lideis Havka, it brings to a transformation so the person is no longer interested in all of that craziness. 
Right? Okay, the cigarette smoker, the first couple of weeks can't be very pleasant, but what does he know? At some point, he's going to be past all this, and he's not going to want a cigarette, and then he's going to dance at his grand- grandchildren's weddings. Okay. Baruch Hashem. I had two conversations last week with long-time, you know, friends slash acquaintances, maybe people you run into all the time who've never been invited to your house and you're not invited to their weddings and you don't invite them to yours, but, you, you know, you see them all the time in your life, right? One is probably, I guess he's 50 years old, right? Heavy, heavy smile. I mean, I, I, I met him first when he was 19. He started working as the sort of assistant of a friend who runs a, a, the, the biggest, I mean, it used to be the biggest grocery store, the, the, the supermarket in, that everybody shops in in Arnolf. And, uh, and he grew up to become, you know, sort of the, the I mean, he's not the manager because he's, he's an owner, but he basically manages the place and he burned Hashem, he's got a family and kids, etc. Heavy smoker. Okay, heart attack, 50. So I just saw him in the story. I asked him, how are you feeling? Not great. Well, I need a stent. Well, what's happening? Well, they told me like, the, the, the November. So November. So I asked him, he's still smoking? He said, no. Okay. That was Thursday. Friday, I walked into the hardware store in Harnolf to get something. Actually, no, it was the same Thursday. I walked in the hardware store, saw the... So the manager of the hardware store, wonderful guy, where, you know, he's American from Boston, you know, grew up uh, from Litvisha family, went to Chabad schools, and he's a great guy, really wonderful, wonderful guy. Fine. Oh, Hanan, how you doing? Well, I had a mini stroke last week. Oh, everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Still smoking? I've only had four this week. First guy has quit. He, I don't know, what does he need exactly to happen, God forbid, before he decides? Because if you have four, you're going to be back to 20 soon. Right? So, I can't imagine it's easy at the beginning, right? But if you're scared to death by God, literally by God, <laughs> right? So I guess you say, okay, you know what? I better stop doing this. Okay, so we don't want God to do that in terms of our ruchnius. Because <laughs> we all have smoking in Ruchnius in our life. It's just not positive. Okay, what I mean, it might not, it's not hopefully not as dangerous as smoking is in guys beside it, but it's okay. So uh, we, we, that's his coffee to get rid of those things. Get rid of those things. Hopefully you don't need God to scare us. Same day, Tuck. I didn't really see this. I think it was, but it both happened on Thursday. Both guys, uh, I mean, one in his 50s, one in his early 60s. Is young. I know it sounds old, but it's very young. That's the beginning. But what does that bring to it? Maybe that a person has a, has a transformed conscious reality, so that elokus is really something that is part of their conscious reality, not not something that seems imposed. At the beginning of a person's travels in Yiddishkeit, Yiddishkeit and Eloku seems like something that I've sort of put on top of me. Right? At a certain point, it starts to become who you are, not something that you do. Right? It seems somehow you know, imposed upon, in a, in a positive way, but still imposed upon. 
When one subdues the sitrachah, we learned this at the very beginning, first parak. It goes out the glory of a Kaddish Baruch that exists in all of the worlds equally. The level of light and revelation, which is Sevev. Kitzer. So let's do both Kitzerim. Whenever you run into a Kitzer, so just go back to the beginning, we'll do both. The Kitzer on Aleph, Iker Shechina B'Tachtenim. That's what we learned in Ois Aleph. The essential revelation of godliness is in the lower realms. Yuvari explains, the Kavonis Briyas Eilamis, the ultimate purpose of the creation of the world, Shia Dir B'Tachtenim, there should be a dwelling place in the lower realms. How is that brought about? Venase Al Yedei Iskafia V'Yishafcha. Two different levels of Aveda. First, Iskafia, which is subduing the Yitzhahara, and ultimately Yitzhahara, transforming conscious reality so that a person's conscious, conscious state is different. Shemaim Shechad HaSevim, what does that do? That draws down our Sevim, Shezeh B'chul Amin which is in all of the worlds equally. The kids are in his base, Yivar, what did the Rebbe explain? Inina Karbonus, Ba'aveda. The whole notion of Karbonus in our Aveda. The Adam Ki Yakriv, a person who wants to come close to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Tzarech Liyes, Mikem Karbon, there must be from you a Karbon. And that we know means two things. One is that it's dependent on you. Meaning you can do it. The second is you have to bring your your Nevishabamis as a korban. And in order to do that, there's a fire from above. There's a fire from below. The fire from above is the Avadanevishokis, which is a natural state. And we try to tap into that natural state so that our Nevesh Bahamis, our conscious state, becomes an expression of our essential state, which is our Nevesh And that's why, that's why Yiddishkeit is different than quitting smoking. Meaning, Iskafia, Neto, is, is, you know, is, is, is simply discipline. So quitting cigarettes will be discipline. Okay, that's true. But Iskafia, in the context of, of, of Yiddishkeit, it's not simply discipline. Because you have you have a nefesh elokis that if you can get that nefesh elokis to start to, to to illuminate and radiate in your in your in your nefesh abamis in your conscious reality, so then you're connected to something completely different. Meaning, there's a state of absolute health that you that is you that exists, and it's just a matter of bringing that into into a state of revelation. That's the difference between you know, physical discipline and spiritual iskafia. Even though physical discipline can be iskafia, there's no question. Someone has to you know, lose weight, so that's iskafia. There's no question. That's an avayda. Okay. It's hard work. The av of the godly soul and the av of the animal soul. The animal soul can come to a state of love, meaning every single one of us should be able to say in our lives at some point, I love God. Okay, maybe I can't say that, but maybe I can say I want to love God. Okay, that itself is something of use. All right. I told you the story many times. I had a, bit of a friend of mine who was listening to a shir in Chassidus while he was writing a Sefer Torah. He was in the Ezra's Nashim, and the shir in Chassidus was in the, in the main shul. And, uh, and after the shir, he came, he came over and he said, uh, it was, the shir was about Avas Hashem, and he, he, he said, I definitely don't love God. And I don't think I want to love God, because if I wanted to love God, I'd probably get there by now, because most things I want, I figure out how to get said, but I want to want to love God. <laughs> and that's real. That's very real. He, he's a very serious Jew. I mean, he really is. He's a, a very special person. 
Right? So there's no question that, that I mean, I want to want to love God. Okay. A Yid once came to the Altar Rebbe and he'd done a terrible Aveira and he told the Altar Rebbe about his terrible Aveira, thinking that the Altar Rebbe was <gasps> shocked by this Aveira. The Altar Rebbe looked at him like he had just you know, told him the weather. So he was very taken by this. Riled him up and he said, I don't even care. He thought this would really, you know, Dr. Rebbe Rebbe looked at him like, you know, told him the forecast for the next day. And he said, I don't even care that I don't even care. Then the Alter Rebbe looked at him and he fainted. And he got up. The Alter Rebbe said, okay, now we know what the problem is. Let's deal with it. The Avera was the problem. The Avera is the runny nose. What's the virus? Right. Now, we can't get rid of the virus, I understand. And you, in Ruchnius, though, you can. Right. A runny nose is, is annoying, okay? Because the runny nose, you know, the, 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 we're coming to the time of, 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 of the calendar year when there are many, and it's not, this isn't a bad thing, there's many, many posters up. You'll see them all over Yerushalayim. There's going to be a lot of kenesim, a lot of, what's um, a kenesim? Uh, you know, people getting together for learning the laws of Lashon Haram. Not how to speak Lashon Haram, not to speak Lashon Haram. Right? There's going to be all sorts of things about Lashon Haram. Right? You'll find that the Hasidim don't go to these. They're not, put up, they're not organized by Hasidim, and Hasidim don't tend to go. Why not? Why do we think Lashon Haram is a good thing? <laughs> no one thinks Lashon Haram is a good thing. It's an Isidurais. Okay, but, but how do Hasidim look at it? Lashon Haram isn't the problem. Lashon Haram is the runny nose. A lack of Avers Yisrael is the disease. You have to attack the disease. You want to take nose drops to get rid of the runny nose, Beseder, that's a good, and you'll feel better. That's okay. That's not a bad idea. But that isn't the problem. Right? You can take nose drops all day long, you're still going to have a cold. Right? The problem is I have, a, I have a virus. What's my virus? A virus? We all do a virus now and then. Everybody does it. You do mitzvahs, you do a virus. Right? We have a virus. Right? And what's, the, what's the virus? A lack of obvious because I don't say Lashon about people I like. Matter of fact, if I hear it, I'll dispute it and say, don't say that. I'm not going to let you say Lashon about my wife. And I won't say Lashon about my wife. Why? Because I love my wife. I'm not going to do that. I won't let you say that about my kids either. I won't let you say it about students in my and out. Why? Well, I have an emotional connection to them. What about the Jew I never heard of and don't care about? Oh, so that's a problem, isn't it? Or the Jew I have heard of and I care about, I can't stand him, he sits next to me in shul, okay, that's the problem, that's why the, the Rebbe Shab was asked to write a haskama on the Chofetz Chaim's book, they were very close, the Rebbe Shab and the Chofetz Chaim, very close, and uh, he said no, because that's not the problem, that's not what we have to write books about, we have to write books about Avis Yisrael, not about not saying what you're thinking. Don't think it. How do you get to not thinking about it? You start to love Jews. That doesn't mean that, that that's bad to talk. I mean, there's halachas, lashnari. Don't you're not allowed to talk lashnari? So you know, figure out what it is and how not to do it. Okay, that's good. But that's not what we spend our time during the nine days having big, you know, kensim about. Is it bad to do? It's not bad. What is it, nine days? Is it leading up to something? The nine days are the nine days from Rosh Chodesh Av to Tisha B'Av, oh. which are in, you know, involve a 
rather restrictive halakhic reality relative to bathing and music and I mean, everybody in the Jewish people is in a state of avails, as opposed to just people who are, you know, mourning parents. But I mean, it's, it's you know, it's 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 more strict than a regular state of it. But we don't listen to music. But people get married. Does that um, mean that there's a greater regulation when when someone doesn't do something that when they do something in terms of a mitzvah? The Rebbeim explained it. We, we're very into ritual. We like ritual, right? We feel spiritual when ritual is happening. Right? Okay. Why? Well, a, you know, a lot of that happens to come from the society we grew up in. We grew up in a society that's about a religion that doesn't have a lot of ritual, but, I mean, it, it, there isn't anything else, right? Religiosity is doing some spiritual thing. Right, okay, fine. But um, the Rebbeim explained at great length. When you when you do iskafia, you can do iskafia by a positive mitzvah, right? I don't want to get up. Well, I'm going to get up. That's called iskafia. Okay, I, I really don't feel like learning right now, and I just force myself to look at the page, and, and sooner or later I'll get into it, right? But I, I, I don't want to. Okay, I do iskafia. I start learning. But when we do iskafia relative to a negative commandment, so it's explained in, in many, many different places in Chassidus that when, when we do a positive commandment, so by definition, the, 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 the level of elokus that, that we ourselves are, are directly involved in is limited by virtue of the fact that we're limited and, and our action is limited. My intention is limited. I'm a limited being, so whatever I'm doing has to ex- express that limitation. What if I'm not doing something? I'm not doing it in an unlimited way. There's no limitation to my not doing something. So to that extent, yes, our connection to the Ebrister is, is on a certain level more powerfully expressed through the love than through the assay. Even though we don't lo- you know, love, we don't like loving. Ah, negative commandments, you know. Oh yeah, let me do something. Well, okay. But that's, it's, it's part of the mindset that a, a Jew has to change when he comes into Yiddishkeit. Religion is not about ritual. People can be very, very firm about the ritual and steal in business. Well, it's a, it's a type, it's a, it's a horror like any other, okay, I'm saying to But where'd that come from? Guy Dovin's 20 minute Shman Esrus. He's like the last guy finished. Sit him, don't do that. Whatever. He's, he's a serious guy. No, but I mean, I'm serious. He's not not. He's serious. He might be Davins and he learns, but he has a hard time being honest in business because he's scared. He wants to make a living. He's missing Viadaita, right? We just saw it yesterday. Right. We finished Viadaita yesterday, gentlemen. It was. We made it. Okay. So let's see the next. The next part of the mimer is. Uh, I don't know whether it's the funniest part. I mean, if you can laugh at yourself, it's the funniest part of the line. Hopefully you can laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we all can. So Rabbi starts talking about Ruach Shtus, the spirit of folly. But yes, the negative commandment ultimately connects us to the Abish Tavimah We're We're not murdering in an infinite way right now. 
we're learning within the context of our finite understanding of what it is that we're learning, right? But we're not, lear- we're not murdering infinitely. No, that's really true, right? I know, you don't have a taiva to do that, so there's not a lot of iskafia going on and you're not murdering. But in all fairness, that has a lot to do with the education you got. Because in this neighborhood, not far from where we, I, mean, I don't mean this neighborhood, Kaula, I mean the neighborhood we live in called the Middle East. There are, there's a whole culture where murder is part of the free will reality. Most people are not murderers, but you can choose to be, not a problem. That's part of the choice. That's why we don't have much respect for that culture. It's a rather murderous culture. Most people in the culture are not murderers. Not even close. Very few. But murder is part of the Bechir Chofshi's picture. It's not part of your Bechir Chofshi's. You were educated that it's not part of life. It'll never happen. It's not reality. Oh. You're a tzaddik in the mitzvah of Leititzach. You're not a benoni. You don't have this taiva to murder and you overcome it every time. Every time some guy cuts you off on the highway, you're going, you're getting your driver's license in the end? You're going to go do it? You don't know. Okay. So the, you know, the first guy that cuts you off, it's not like you figure you're going to take a gun out of the glove compartment and off the guy. And oh, no, no, I better not. <laughs> Who has such a taiva? We don't have such taivas, right? One? Axes are more effective. Axes, okay, say this. So Shai has an axe in the trunk. <laughs> right? Fine. No, right so uh, right next to Pesedas. <laughs> okay. But that's just not part of your that's not part of your Because you don't want free will to be a murderer, because if you have free will to be a murderer, you're a low life. God gave us free will, but we don't want it. I don't want free will to not treat a Jew kindly. I want to overcome that and be naturally inclined to not even imagine treating a Jew or anybody else in any other way. Oh, that means I did the Aveda and I'm supposed to do. Okay, but I start off with, you know, theoretically the clean slate. Clean slate, meaning it's really a dirty slate. It's full of Nefesh Bahamis. And it could go anywhere. It could become a murderer. 51 shootings in Chicago over the weekend, four dead. 51 shootings in a city in America. It's like Syria. That neighborhood, murder is part of the free will uh, construct. What's wrong with you? Is everybody in the neighborhood a murderer? Of course not. Not even close. But a kid growing up in that neighborhood, can he choose to become a murderer? easily. That's why we're not very impressed by that neighborhood. Now, personally, I don't think it's my fault. First of all, I'm a Canadian. But, <laughs> I don't think the white American should think it's his fault. I think he should go talk to Jesse Jackson and all these low lives <coughs> and say, why the hell aren't you taking care of your people? And Barack Obama, you were president for eight years. What the heck is wrong with you? Why is black American in worse shape after eight years of a black president? What's wrong with you? The guy's a lowlife and he hates Jews. Peseda, the worst thing about him, black America, after eight years of a black president, black America was in worse shape after him than before him. How can that possibly be? What kind of person are you? Why don't you take care of black America? and Educate them, spend billions on education, do whatever you have to do. Couldn't care less. 
Why? Because they, it's part of the, let's keep them this way and they'll vote for us. Couldn't care less. None of them could care less about your average black kid in America. It's disgusting. It's horrible. It really is. It burns me up. It just drives me nuts. Right, that these people who are such fakers. Why don't you care about that five-year-old black kid and give him a place where he can grow up and have a chance not to fall into all that? Right? Couldn't care less. Okay, fine. So they're nasty people. That kid? What kind of society is that? You grew up without any Yitzhahara for such a thing because you were educated, right? Okay. So if we educate ourselves right, we can get rid of a Yitzhar for all sorts of things. <laughs> That's what this is. And uh, so, so not murdering isn't really an Yitzhafka by you, because you've already done Yitzhafka. Do you really know? I mean, it's not like you did it. You were brought up right, right? Your parents educated you in the right way. In Baruch Hashem, you're, you're, murder is just not, it's just not there. There are all sorts of people in France who believe in murder if it's necessary. They probably moved there after you left, but there's all sorts of people who, right? I mean, you know that. Right? A friend of mine's going to Malmo to speak. He grew up in Malmo, and he's going there to speak on Gimel Thomas. 25% of the population of Malmo is Muslim, and it's dangerous for a Jew to walk the streets in Malmo. Police don't really help. I mean, they, they would like to, but they have 25% of the vote. In no one's interest to protect the 400 Jews that live in Malmo. There used to be 3,000. It's the world. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be my world. It doesn't have to be my conscious reality. The control of my conscious reality. So it can start, so something that starts off as Yisrafi can ultimately become Yisrafi. <coughs> Based on all this, we can now understand something else. That the Mishkan was Miyatse Shitim. Now, if you look in the Chomesh, usually Atse Shitim is translated as? As what? Acacia wood. Right. That's how it's usually translated. Right? Now, that is an interesting translation because most of us, I mean, if we've ever looked up what acacia is, acacia wood does not grow in the Northern Hemisphere. It grows in, in South Africa, evidently, there's acacia, and in Australia, which is, you know, if, if something doesn't grow anywhere else, then you can count on it being in Australia. Right? It, it's, it's a Southern Hemisphere plant, tree. Which is really interesting. And I was always annoyed, you know, I'm sorry for you know, talking about myself, but I was annoyed about the fact that they always translated it as acacia wood because that seemed to be an improper translation. Now, really, what did we make the Mishkan out of? We know. What did Yaakov Avinu take down to, to Mitzrayim when he went to Mitzrayim? Cedar. He took cedar saplings and they planted them there and then that's what they took because he said they're going to build a mishkan and he took, so it was made out of cedar. Right? I mean, that seems that, right? Our, our Eretz, our Zea Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon, right? That, that, so if you go up north, you know, Lebanon is just north of the Galil, right? You go up north, a lot of the wood in the, in the forest up north is cedar. Right? Okay. So, 
Kasia always annoyed me. A friend of mine, Rabbi Vishnevsky, who sometimes davens here, maybe some of you eat there, so he wrote the single best English book out there, the, the five-volume Chumish, now it came out in one volume also, the five-volume Chumish, the California Chumish it's called. We have it in Zal, it says on the back, Chumish, in uh, brown and black, like the sitter that's brown and black, so the Chumish. So um, it, it's an amazing book. So, so I, I wanted to see, how did Moshe translate Atzei Shittim? So Moshe translates Acacia. So I called up Moshe and said, Moshe, I can't believe it, you, low life, you, you know. <laughs> he always says about me that I'm so low that I have to look up to see down. So that's what I said to him. I said, Moshe, you're so low, you have to look up to see down. Right? So he said, why? Acacia would? Right? So he said, well, you know, it's really interesting. I looked into this a lot. He looked through about 40 translations of the Torah when he wrote his translation of the Torah. Uh, he's very thorough, right? uh, extremely, and that's why the book is so good. So he, 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 um, he the, the non-Jewish translations and the conservative movement translations, he looked through all of the translations. Right, to see how people translate the Torah, to find you know what's really the what's the right word, etc., etc. So uh, he, he translated acacia, and I was sort of shocked. He said, "Yeah, isn't that interesting?" Yeah, I also was always bothered by acacia, and I looked into it. It happens to be that some botanists found a f- uh, 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 a, a a clear relative of the acacia bush growing in the Sinai Desert. <laughs> I said, you're kidding. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, not enough of it to build a mishkan, but it definitely grows there. Now, Alpi the Medrash, we use the wood that Yitzhak brought to Mitzrayim. We know that, but he's trying to say pshad in a word in Chumash, what Atzei Shittim is. So he said, yes, it could definitely be Acacia. There's definitely there's no doubt, and so that's how he translated it. Even though you'll see all the all the drushes wonder why is the wood called atzei shittim because really we know it was cedar, right? And so we're going to learn the word atzei shittim to teach us something deeper about what's necessary to build the mishkan. You need shittim, but what shittim? Well, that's what the Rebbe is going to explain. Because simple pshat, the wood was eris, it was cedar. That's what it was. I mean, we, that's what the medrash said. So, why is it called Atzei Shittim? Because that's what the Torah says, right? Take Atzei Shittim and build me a Mishkat. So why is it called Atzei Shittim? Oh. V'yuvan zeh, so that's what the, that's what the, the Rebbe is trying to explain here. V'yuvan yuvan mashya mishkan hayami Atzei Shittim dafka. Til since, ikr aveda b'mishkan amigdash, the essential aveda in the mishkan, in the mishkan, in the mikdash. Who lis hafcho is to transform chashuchel in the hara? Right, the Rebbe doesn't talk about his kafia. That's not what the mikdash is about. The mikdash is taking physicality, which is a source of darkness, so to speak, and use it as a source of light. Meaning, here you have physical objects that are all about revealing God. I mean, that's what this place does, and that's what all of the physical objects in the place do. Okay, that's the ultimate in his hafch. Physicality is used to reveal elokus, not hide elokus. Okay. Shezeu in Yinavedus HaKarbonus Canal, and this is the Aved of Karbonus that we learned in Ois Beis. Take physicality and elevate it until <coughs> ultimately it becomes a means for the revelation of 
Elokus. And that's also what we do in our own consciousness, which is a physical consciousness, but we can elevate and illuminate that physical consciousness so it becomes a spiritual, godly consciousness. Ubefrat, the Rebbe says, my sekteris, particularly the, the highest, most powerful Aveda of Karbanas in the Beisimik. This was the Kteris, the incense offerings, the word Karban. I mean, obviously the Rebbe doesn't want us to spend our day understanding this because it's a parenthetical statement, but just very, very quickly, two ideas that help us understand the, the centrality of Kteris. One is that the word Karban comes from the word close, Karov, which we learned. The word Kteris, Katar, is the word Kesher, a bond, not close, connected, mamash. With one bond I have bound, I'm bound with you, says in the Zayar. Ketira in Aramaic is a Kesher. So Keteris is even closer than a, I mean, what's Karob? To be close, a Kesher is your your is one, you're connected. And Keteris, what's interesting about Keteris is its smell. The sense of smell is a very interesting and unique sense. And interestingly, in the Hebrew, what's its word? Reach, which is closest to the word ruach, ruchnius, spiritual. It's the most spiritual of, of senses on a, certain, on a certain sense, in a certain sense. And what's interesting about the sense of smell is it was the sense not polluted by the Chet She heard about it, she saw it, she touched it, she tasted it. Nowhere does it say they smelled it. That sense is a sense that's still very powerfully connected to the deepest, most powerful and positive places in us. That's why it's actually also, just in Gashmias, it's very interesting. Right? When someone passes out, so the first thing you'll do is you'll call their name. Adam! Adam's out to the world. He's asleep. Adam! Okay, then you might shine a light. Adam, you turn on the light. Probably when you walk in the room, the first thing you do is you turn on the light. Adam's still asleep. Adam! Still asleep. Right? What do athletes do when they're, you know, in the old days when they, I mean, now they know it's called a concussion and they keep the guy out for a while. But in the old days when he got his bell rung and they would want him to go right back out there five minutes later and get his bell rung again, what, what, what did they give him in the meantime? Oh, smelling salts. salts. And it would wake him up, right? Smelling salts really do wake people up. Actually, you see them now, they smell it on the bench. They're smelling something that like, gives them a jolt of... You know, they're not wiped out, but they... I've seen pictures of them doing it. I don't think they're snorting anything illegal. I think they're just, you know, they have this little thing that they pass around. Gives them some kick. Right? Okay, smelling salts, which is really interesting, right? You give it guys out. Light won't work. Name won't work. Reach. Very powerfully connected to who we are, even in Gashmas. So that's Keteris. Val Yedei Aveda Shebemikdash, through the Aveda Shebemikdash, Shial Yedei What does that bring about? Heir Gilei Elokuz Beila. Brought about a revelation of godliness in the world. V'lochein haya miatzei shitim. Therefore it had to be from atzei shitim. What in the world is atzei shitim? The Rebbe explains, the Hine, shita. The word shita means a position, an opinion, right? That means with, in the context of an argument, you're leaning to one side or the other in an argument, right? If you have a shita, right? What's his shita? What's his opinion? What's his position? Okay. 
That means you have one. Now, you don't necessarily have to have one. You might be in the middle. Okay, no, but if you have a shita, that means you've taken a position. That means you're leaning to one side or the other. So that's, a, that's, a, that's what the Rebbe explains. Pedish nitiya means to lean. Dahainu, shiyesh davar shuem tsoi, there's something in the middle. Vahataya lays at sad, lamai lamatan, leaning to either side or up or down, nikro shita. It's called a shita. Vachain pedish stus. So too, the perish of the word, which obviously comes from the same root, shtus, folly, idiocy. A shaita is an idiot. The shtus, hu ha'ataya, is leaning away, mi ha'yediya v'chokma. He's moved away from knowledge and wisdom. And that's shtus, folly, idiocy. The yediya v'chokma, Knowledge and comprehension so to speak, the middle road. Vatayam, he said, and turning away from this is nikrishtus. It's called shtus. Acting in a way that's not rational. That's called shtus. Vahine, yeshtus delumazet. There's shtus of the other side. In other words, there's negative shtus. Okay, what does that seem to indicate? That statement we just made? But faith is negative shtus? If I say there's negative shtus, what does that seem to also indicate? That there's positive shtus. Okay, what positive shtus is? I don't know. We'll find out. That's what the rest of the mime is all about. Right? The fifth parak specifically. And we'll, we'll go through, as you saw, we went through the second ois a lot faster than the first ois, and we'll go through the rest of the mime much more quickly than we went through the first ois. The first ois is where most of the ideas are, and then the rabbi is just applying them all. Okay. So there's shtus to lumaze. The first thing the Rebbe is going to explain is shtus to kedusha, shtus to klipa. I'm sorry, the shtus of the other side, right? Negative shtus, acting irrationally, as opposed to what we might call super rational behavior, right? Okay. So what's that? Let's just see this quickly, and we'll stop, and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Is there for bringing tonight till uh, seven in the morning or something? Or we're not, there's, uh, the open mic. there's the open mic. Open mic. Okay, that I think usually ends at some... Uh, oh, is that because Yosef Charney is here? There's an open mic? There you go. Okay. Say that. There's negative shtus. Like, His wife, Tiste, the Isha Soita. Now, it's interesting. In the Torah, in, in, on the side of the Gemara, if you were to look at a Gemara from a Sechet Soita, which is the Gemara discussing the laws of the suspected adulteress, right? The woman who's suspected by her husband of uh, improper behavior. And he says, I don't want you to talk to this particular man. And then she's seen talking to that man. So, so she has to drink what's called mei seita, checks to see if she's if done the aver, if she's done the aver, so she blows up and he blows up. And if she, that's what happens to her. And if she do, didn't do the aver, so then it's waters of incredible bracha and she has unbelievable children and all sorts of good things. Okay. So that's called Mei Saita. And it's in Pasha's Nasai, which we read uh, a few weeks ago. So um, it's also uh, the, 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 cha- the tractate that we learn in the days of Svira, right? It's the, 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 the two offerings of barley, the two korbanas mincha, are the Saita brings a korban mincha of barley, and uh, the korban Eimer was a korban mincha, meal offering of barley. Okay. 
So what does it say about that woman? Now if you look at the word Saita on the side of the Gemara, it's written with a Samach. Saita. Okay. But like Sus, horse. Right? Samach. But in the Torah, it's written with a Sin. Not with a Samach. Oh, so why is it written with a Sin in the Torah? Kitiste Ishte. Right? Because it's a play in the words. Kitiste, Kitiste. That she's a shaita, meaning she's done something, she's done an act of folly. Uperish Rashi. How does Rashi explain the word kitiste ishte? His wife has sated. What does that mean? So Rashi says, tat, she's turned away, leaned away, from the ways of modest behavior. Uksi v'yeshiv yisrael b'shitim. Am we're dwelling in shitim where negative things happened, a place of folly. This is the shtus of the other side. Shaita, like shaita. That's, that's how Chazal are learning it. Right? She turned away from ways of modesty. Even if she didn't have an affair with this man, she's still acting in an improper way by, by seeing, being seen talking to this person in, a, in an improper way. Right? She definitely is not acting properly. Okay, but love Dafka, she did the Chosav Shalom said terrible things. So Rashi says she turned away from the ways of Tznius. Shu inyin hashtus chazal, like chazal say, ein adam a person does not transgress, unless it enters into him a spirit of folly. Meaning an avera is a state of temporary insanity. Every Aveira. How did Chazal learn that? Play on the word. They learn from that. That every Aveira, a person is overcome by Ruach Shtus. Okay, tomorrow we'll see what Ruach Shtus is all about. What's this Ruach Shtus? What is it that causes a person to do an Aveira? Because if you think about it, the Rebbe talks about it, right? If I were to ask you objectively, are Aveiras okay? What would you say? No. Do you ever do one? Yes. Why? You just told me it's not okay. What's the dynamic of that which will cause a person to do something that objectively they think is not okay? What's that dynamic? It's called Ruhstus. What is that? That's what the Rebbe will explain. Just talk about very interesting. I mean, we can go through it tomorrow. We'll have a survey at the beginning of the class tomorrow. We'll have a survey. I had a survey today on the bench waiting for the train. Got off the bus, walked down the hill, watched the train pass, sat down, finished Carbonus, waiting for the next train, and some guy sat down next to me. Do you mind if I ask you some questions? This is the poor guy, this is his summer job, so. Okay, Baruch Hashem, he has a job, good, good for him. So I answered questions about the train. Evidently, I like the train. <laughs> Saying four, five. Four and five was good, one was no good. Is, the, is it clean? Yeah. Does it come on time? Yeah. It always does, though. It just comes every six minutes. It's just there. It's pretty good. So there, I did a survey. So tomorrow morning we'll have a survey. So come on time, or you'll miss the survey. The guy didn't give me anything for the survey. I thought you should give me something, you know.